Well, good morning. I just had a funny little chuckle. Um, it's I don't know if you've seen these memes, you know, philosophers' memes, scientists' memes, whatever. So I made a joke to the wife that's definitely a philosopher joke. So I was I was uh, we forgot to discuss what she wanted for dinner tonight. So I went and take, took a look in the freezer just to see what we had. Uh, so we have an excess of um, of beef. Uh, so and we haven't had beef in a while. Uh, and one of our favorite meals uh, when it comes to beef has been beef noodle soup. Uh, this Taiwanese beef noodle soup changed my life. Uh, and I did duplicate it once. I had to use um, brisket, really fatty brisket. <clears throat> uh, and in the end, uh, I, I bought a 40-pound box of beef tallow for the Omega Fats, true, but because that seemed to have been what made this uh, Taiwanese, Taiwanese beef noodle soup so awesome is that there was no shortage of beef fat, tallow. This rich, flavorful tallow almost tastes like roast beef uh, itself, the fat. Um, so long story short, I said to the wife, I, like, uh, I said, hey, we got a steak left, we got... Uh, you know, some, it's ground beef. And I said, why not uh, beef noodle soup? Or I said, or uh, beef and veg. Uh, right? Because try to make her, help her decide whether to go with the noodles or rice. We eat a lot of rice recently. Um, pretty high quality rice, mind you. Um, Calrose rice, uh, Japanese rice. But I'm digressing. So what I wanted to teach... Uh, or even talk about is the joke that I made. So I said, um, what would you like to do? I said, would you like a beef noodle soup or would you like uh, beef on, on rice? Right? This uh, donburi, right? Guidon, which is a beef bowl in, in Japanese. That's why I was just kidding back and forth. But then I said, or follow me here. We could have beef noodle soup on rice. And that sounds ridiculous. But this is the same thing that I mentioned before, the idea of what makes a breakfast food, right? Same as the Japanese. They actually sometimes do bend these ideas that they might have noodles and rice. Why it's funny for us is because we eat uh, rice noodles. So it's rice noodles and rice. It's funny. You laugh. But I made a joke, and I said, well, follow me here, right? We, or we could have... Um, beef noodle soup on rice. And I said, the Chattiscotti. I've, I've shared this uh, uh, philosophy before, which is uh, Buddhist logic. Nagarjuna, Shantideva, the Yogacaran Buddhists that I've mentioned before, the Madhyamakan Buddhists, the uh, Chittamatrans, the, one the ones that are steeped in Buddhist logic. Uh, a big part of that is the Chattiscotti. The Chattiscotti uh, is... No different than the, uh, the Greek uh, tetralemma, uh, opined by uh, Pyro in his philosophy known as Pyrrhonism. Uh, it has for centuries been considered completely separate from the Indian logic, uh, the Chattiscoti. What is it? No difference. Tetralemma and the Chattiscoti are the same thing. It might be this, it might be that, it might be A, it might be B, it might be A and B. Or it might be none of the above, right? It's this idea, just like Charles Sanders Peirce said, the first rule of logic is doubt. So what am I getting at here? Well, just last year in the Swat Valley, uh, we uncovered a new temple that shows that Bactrian Buddhism wasn't as late as we thought it was. What do I mean by that? What I mean is 
we have been arguing, I've talked about this before for decades, that the reasons why they believe that Pyrrhonism and the Tetralemma is not connected to the Chattiscotian Buddhist logic is they give this reason or that reason or this reason or that reason. It's They were only there for 18 months, not enough time to learn the language or to... They're, um, they had three translators uh, on campaign, uh, so there's no way they could have understood something as complicated as logic. Well, now that we've dug up this, uh, this new uh, temple, not only archaeologically, but the shape itself tells us that we were wrong by hundreds of years on this uh, understanding. We were wrong about the language. In fact, multi, uh, multilingual people were very common at this time. In fact, there were um, schools teaching each other, so uh, all sorts of traditions at the time. One of my favorite lost traditions, the Ajivakans, right? These ones that uh, believe uh, you don't have any control of your destiny. Uh, they were up there too. So it all is crumbling, this narrative, this whitewashing history, this idea that... Uh, the Greeks weren't influenced by Buddhism. They influenced uh, Buddhism when they came to northern India and yada, yada, yada. What we're seeing now is, we knew this, obviously, but the Silk Road showed us uh, otherwise, that they were all interacting and, and interrelating and, and uh, sharing knowledge, helping each other understand this. And when you look at just about anything, logic, uh, philosophy, uh, understanding, uh, these teachings are very universal. In fact, they do, if you have uh, read uh, students' papers, like if you teach some students, or if you teach anybody any subject, and then you read their, their summation or their understanding, or even better yet, if you teach someone who becomes a teacher, and you hear how they teach the same subjects that they maybe initially learned from you, or whatever. It's really quite interesting, because I've been lucky enough to see that uh, multiple times where um, these ideas that I've shared and taught and, and um, uh, expounded uh, have been um, disseminated uh, to students, to teachers, to tourists, uh, to family members, to neighbors. Um, and so I've lived long enough to be able to hear those stories told. Kind of the opposite to Kipling's If, that if you can uh, hear um, your truths uh, twisted and broken by fools uh, as a trapper or by... Uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but if you, can, if you can experience your truth being twisted by knaves as a trap for fools is the actual quote from Kipling's uh, poem, If, and arguably uh, Kipling's poem, poem, If, is on Buddhist logic. So what is Buddhist logic? Uh, it's not that different from um, the metaphysics of, Jesus, a millennia later. This idea that we can't know everything. It's impossible for us to know. Simply uh, trapped in the system ourselves, these selves, this uh, individual that we are, it's a perspective thing. It's the idea of getting up, uh, getting a bird's eye view of things. Uh, it's near impossible when you're trapped in the system. 
So the Chattiscoti, the Tetralemma, uh, Doubt, um, Trust But Verify, uh, these uh, teachings are universal. And so I thought I'd just share, um, you know, like I said, the, the beef noodle soup uh, as Chattiscoti. Right, so I spent a lot of time Telling the wife, hey, we got this beef, I can make beef noodle soup, or I can make like a, um, a Japanese beef uh, and vegetable. Um, you know, sometimes they do beef and onion with uh, some Worcestershire sauce. It's really quite nice. But it didn't strike me until uh, later that I'm like, well, wait a minute. It isn't either or, it could be both, right? Or it could be neither, right? I could do something completely different. Uh, but in this case, we fell on the idea that maybe it might be cool to do both, right? So what I could do is a beef noodle soup, and I can do uh, some sides of vegetables and maybe uh, a little bit of rice, right? Because, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's thinking outside of the box, right? It's the same idea I've talked about before, the um, uh, six, nine-point problem, my apologies, the nine-point problem that's often used in logic, right? To connect all of the dots with uh, no more than X amount of uh, unbroken lines. And most people, I've talked about this before, it's the same idea as the optical illusions. Most people see, um, even though it's white space, most people see uh, walls so that they immediately discount the possibility of uh, drawing the lines outside of the uh, the box that the nine uh, dots form, rectangle, you know what I mean. So getting outside of your perception, your bias, arguably that's exactly what Buddhism is about. I find it funny because I just saw a video, let's see if it's still in uh, the history here, no. I just saw a video uh, about uh, a gentleman saying why uh, Buddhism is so dangerous. Of course, he's a Christian apologetic. Uh, but it's his misunderstanding, right? Uh, in fact, his criticism was that Buddhism's ethos or whole teaching is to cease to exist, right? To end this life. He's not wrong. But what he doesn't understand is that criticism that he's leveling against Buddhism is exactly the same criticism that Nietzsche and Jung and James, myself, would apply to Christianity. Because Christians talk about the afterlife, heaven and all these rewards, and deny their corporal reality, this life, this physical somatic experience. Which is what makes me an incredible heretic as a tantric uh, practitioner. Because I believe that life is inherently suffering and that is the tool that teaches us to overcome this suffering. I've mentioned this before as someone who suffers from multiple chronic illnesses. Um, it's impossible for me to go, well, life is awesome and everything's going to be great. Because in no uncertain terms, I don't think that to be true. I can't gaslight myself something that abhorrently wrong. So what he missed 
is Christians deny this life, uh, preparing for their afterlife. And that's the exact same thing that the criticism of Buddhism, where his criticism of Buddhism is coming from, is he's misunderstood the teaching of Buddhism. And I've talked about this before. There's a Canadian um, uh, abbot of a, a temple in Vancouver, and, and he and I had words about this once, because I suggested maybe calming down on the super... Well, okay, sorry. My actual question was, does he feel that you can still be a Buddhist? Because I was kind of, you know, trolling him a bit. Uh, does he feel that a Buddhist can uh, not believe in the supernatural, uh, the superstitious side of Buddhism, but still be a good Buddhist, right? Believe in being a better person, but they don't believe... See, for me, I don't believe reincarnation is mandatory uh, to be a Buddhist. In fact, I argue that it actually gets in the way. Because if you think that you can have another shot at this, then you don't have your heart uh, in it, uh, as, or won't have your heart in it as much. So, of course, this monk is like, well, no, you're, you're malevolent, you're a horrible person. And I can't remember what he, what he said. You'd be a horrible person uh, because you don't believe in this stuff. It's like, really? Really? So if I'm doing everything I'm supposed to as a Buddhist, but I don't believe in, uh, you know... Uh, magic beings, or I don't believe in reincarnation, um, uh, I don't believe in karma in the sense that uh, uh, my disease is because I was a bad person in a previous life. Um, I grew up on a uranium mine, so I know where my disease comes from, right? Uh, my father uh, is a vet, a seriously traumatized vet, uh, who traumatized his family as well, but he was the son of a seriously traumatized um, um, a hero uh, by all metrics, but he was traumatized by a vet as well, uh, an abusive vet, and arguably his father before him, right? There's the story of when I open up my box of violence or trauma, uh, in it I will find a box of trauma and or a box of violence uh, that belonged to my father. And if I open up my father's box of violence, I will find his father's box of violence. But I argue it goes deeper than that, because what's funny is we ignore the mothers so often. I mean, this is maybe what Freud was trying to get at when he's like, hey, you know, mothers have a big impact. Not to blame everything on mom, but this idea that my mother was a, uh, a narcissist, and the damage that that caused is profound uh, to many. Sorry, the damage that that can cause to, to many is profound. It taught me to be more compassionate and empathetic for others. In fact, it, it taught me how to um, minimize myself so bad that I've had to relearn how important it is uh, to highlight the self as a tool, not a barrier. But I don't blame her because, again... When you open up her box of narcissism, you see in it uh, her mother's box of narcissism, right? And the weird relationship they had, and the weird relationship uh, uh, her mother and father had, and the relationship she had with her father, right? Same could be said of, of my brothers, right? But where the, the, the disconnect happens is when you uh, have allowed your history to impinge on your, your life, your future, your present. Right, so this understanding is what uh, the doubt actually is not even an understanding. That's what I really was trying to get at here. 
So you can't, what was it? Uh, oh, this morning, the wife was talking about how um, there's a shortage of golf carts now. And they said it's because of the chip shortage. And I kind of chuckled and I'm like, wow, they really do like to dumb things down for people, don't they? Right? It's much more complicated. Sure, there may be a shortage of chips that might affect right, the charging system. and But really, if you look at the component parts to uh, a golf cart, they're shared with other products. And when you look at uh, weapons production getting priority nowadays, or the largest producer of e-vehicles, and by far the largest purchaser of uh, uh, rechargeable batteries, uh, has stated that his bottleneck uh, is batteries, are batteries. Right, so it's this doubt that's meant to be taught. So the lesson from the Chattiscoti is you can't have an answer to everything, right? That's what it's teaching, right? It's, it might be it might be A, it might be B, it might be A and B, or it might be something else. So when you sit down, and and that's why I talk about that opening that box of violence, because when I opened my mother's box of violence, like I said, I realized that she had a box of violence, right? This idea that, you know, I can't remember the quote right off the top of my head, but right, we, we carry on um, who we are from generation to generation, unless we awaken to these simple truths, right? And what I mean by that, uh, is uh, when I opened that box and realized that, holy jeez, right? Like, you can have compassion for just about anyone. In fact, I think it's Khalil... Uh, Khalil... Khalil Gibran, I believe, who said... Um, I can't remember it now. Gosh, I apologize. But the idea that, um, hmm, hold on here, let me see if I can find it. Well, I can't uh, remember it exactly, but uh, Cleo LeBron, uh, the quote was just, um, when you realize that uh, people are suffering, right? Uh, oh, it was about enemies. Okay, so it had to do with, um, that's why I, I thought of that quote. It's, it's quite old. Uh, actually, I'd probably be able to find it here. Well, well, it was about uh, knowing thyself, and, and the quote, I don't think I've found it quite yet, but the quote was uh, referring to uh, love thy enemy. And, uh, and when I took that to heart, I, uh, I began to love myself. But I found another quote that I think is just as apropos. Again, Khalil Gibran says, uh, One day you will ask me which is more important, my life or yours. I will say mine, and you will walk away not knowing that you are my life. Right? It's a quote that I like to, uh, to share often from uh, the Isha Upanishad, uh, the sixth mantra that speaks to seeing the self in others and, and seeing... Uh, all beings in the self. If you love somebody, let them go, for if they return, they will always, they were always yours, and if they don't, they never were. Very famous, everyone knows that one, right? But, so that was my take.
Life without love is like a tree without blossoms or fruit. Well, I like that. It's very similar to um, Nietzsche that warned us that we need to we need to fill our uh, world with uh, creativity. Um, we need to feel like we're producing something and leaving uh, something. I mean, not particularly in an ego sense, but to feel like we're contributing, at least in some sense, if that makes sense. Right? So you take that same idea to, uh, to the Chattiscotti and the Tetralemma. Right? You can't know for sure about metaphysics. You can't know for sure about truth. You can't know for sure that uh, your actions are going to have a positive effect. I've mentioned this before, that I think our actual takeaway is not to know in any certainty anything, but our job is to get to the point where we can act without, without regret, without hesitation. Certainly, I, 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 I hesitate on using the word hesitation, but you know what I mean. If you're acting with the right intention, you won't hesitate because of the outcome. You can be confident in the outcome because if you um, had the right intention, it's either a positive outcome or you did your best. And you're either winning or you're learning, right? So on this special day, my holy day, <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th, I thought I might share this idea with you um, that when you carry around a healthy sense of doubt but trust, that's when truth reveals itself to you. Because when you walk around doubting, then nothing will have that um, synergistic gravitas. <laughs> Silly, I know. But gravitas, a beautiful word, just means something that really matters. Like, oh, like just this is valuable. This matters. Right? And synchronicity from Jung, this idea that we can't know uh, the connections to everything, but sometimes it matters that we trust there is a connection. Or in this case, a source, provenance, trust, shraddha, which is a Sanskrit word, which means faith and trust and con commitment and conviction and devotion. Uh, that is what leads us. Not religion, but faith and trust and hope. Chattiscotti. It's not about denying. It's about embracing that not all questions have an answer and that is a beautiful thing.